Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Worth More podcast. I'm your host, Cami Bleese, and so excited for this episode today. I introduced a client and a friend of mine who is also a therapist, Katrine, and she and I just had an amazing conversation all around kind of some of the misconceptions that people have around health and their bodies, her journey with her own body and finding out that she had PCOS, along with how she helps clients sort of separate this really strong fixation that we tend to have around our bodies and our worth and different things that even you yourself can start doing today to start creating a stronger relationship with your body and to start feeling more confident in your journey and your journey towards a healthier and happier life from the inside out. I absolutely loved our conversation. She is such a hoot to chat with and I hope y'all enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Hello, Katrine. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I know that you and I have had so many of these like great conversations around health and body, and so that's like really why I wanted to bring you on here. And it's perfect because you recently, during one of our sessions, had a great story that we both felt would be applicable to the podcast. So um, I was wondering if you could share that just to get us off. Let's have like a little story time. <laughs> Gather around, my single gals. Yeah, come on, single ladies. As you do. As um, you do. As you do. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was swiping on an app and I swiped yes on this guy and we're chatting and then he like, you know, throws out there that he's a trainer and I was like, hmm, not really my jam, but <laughs> all right. We're continuing talking and then, you know, got a little weird and then he started talking about my body and like how I look good or whatever. And I was like, okay, fine, weird, but we're going with it. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit later on in the conversation, he goes you know, I really like your body, but if you ever wanted to lose weight, like, this is how you would do it. And I was like, um, so then I schooled him and she did. (laughs) was like, um, I train probably harder than you. Yes. I have a personal trainer, a dietitian, a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, I eat quote unquote, healthy or whatever your health standards probably are. And you know nothing about me. And how dare you comment on my body and just assume that I wanted to lose weight? Yep. Fuck off. I know. I mean, the thing when you told me that I was like, blown away that that would be like in your initial conversation with somebody before even meeting. And I know that one of the things that you said too, was that his like main thing was like, Oh, it's all food. Like he was like very like flippant in like, basically his advice was very food related. And for you, like we've talked about, and we'll get into a little more later, like recovering from an eating disorder, working with a dietitian, already making really intentional choices. And you're like, dude, I'm doing the stuff and you have Mm -hmm. no idea my medical history or my Mm -hmm. mental health history, like Mm -hmm. to make this blanket statement as a quote, quote trainer, because not all trainers are creating equal y'all and like got a lot of work to do in the industry. But I was just like, did he respond? No, because I didn't give him the chance to. Got it. Okay. I kind of wanted to, yeah. but then I just felt like I would have gotten into it. And I was like, fuck you. And I just unmatched. Yeah. <laughs> after, I, after I schooled him, yeah. I was like, goodbye. Yeah. I don't need your energy in my life. I know. Well, I feel like that story in and of itself shows that there's a lot 
of misconceptions around health and bodies. And I would love like maybe from your personal experience or your professional experience, like have you felt or seen that to be true? And what have you experienced in that way personally or maybe with how you work? Yeah, I think there's so, especially for women, right? And Mm -hmm. men too, I think that's coming out more and more. But my experience as a woman is that it's so heavy dependent on appearance Mm -hmm. and half of your appearance and in America, um, like in American culture, like how thin you are. And so much of your worth is placed on how thin you are. Mm -hmm. And that's really evident by like diet culture. And even just like when women talk to each other, like, oh, I feel so fat. I ate like a cookie, Mm -hmm. you know, like all these comments, all these flippant comments that everyone says, and they don't really mean it. But every time we do it, we really put ourselves down. And so I was definitely a victim of that or being like, oh, you've lost weight. How'd you do it? You know, like always commenting on people, you look so good. You've lost so much weight. Like that being the first comment out of people's minds really, really impacts how people view themselves. So our weights fluctuate, as we all know, like one, we wake up in the morning weighing one, one number, and then Mm -hmm. we go to bed weighing another number. And so to really define ourselves by that number is very harmful yeah. and puts a lot of pressure, especially on women. Yeah. And that sucks. I know. It really does. And I think like that's something I've noticed more and more as I've – I think once you become aware of this stuff, it's crazy how often you see it. And it's crazy how often you hear your friends saying things or people at, like at work and you're just like, Wow. And how I feel like the two comments that you hear the most that I think are women are most comfortable making when they first meet someone or when they see some after a while is like, oh, I love your outfit or like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Have you lost weight? And it's this really weird way of like trying to ingratiate ourselves with people and make people feel good about themselves solely based on appearance. Mm -hmm. So then you have the people who know they've gained weight feeling weird about stepping into a new social situation because they know no one's going to comment about how great they look Mm -hmm. because great, I'm putting that in quotes, is determined typically by weight loss. Yes, exactly. Like I went through a major weight loss a few years ago and I can't tell you how many comments I got and then I gained it back Mm -hmm. as we'll find out later why. Mm -hmm. And stopped all of it stopped and it was like for me that was really rang true of like oh fuck like I knew I gained weight because no one was commenting on how I looked anymore yeah and I was like oh got it okay and that's wild to me and I think that we just like we don't realize how I don't even know if I want to use the word simple but how like to your point so many of these things are ingrained within our culture and we've been taught this is how you compliment. This is how you affirm yourself and those around you. And it's like, what if instead we were like, oh my gosh, you're glowing or you look so happy or you have so much energy or like, wow, like, I don't know. But it's like, can't we comment more about the person or your personality or something that feels less I don't know, less tangible. And that's not necessarily fair, but like how surface weighted, honestly, it's It's just a weighted comment. It is like no pun intended. I mean, kind (laughs) kind of, but it is true. It's like, there's so much wrapped up when you make a comment about someone's appearance for the, like 
whether it's like, are you doing okay? You look like you've gained some weight. Because mm-hmm. the reality is, is oftentimes there's a lot of people who lose weight due to sickness, due mm-hmm. to stress, due to trauma. And then to be affirmed, you're looking amazing. It's like, well, great. Now you just affirmed my eating disorder. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like one thing that I've tried to work on with clients and with people in my life is I try really hard not to comment on people's bodies. And it's hard because when your friends look great, you want to say like, you look great. Cause you know, they work like if you know, they worked hard, you're like, Oh, I want to affirm that. Yeah. Ooh, I feel the same way. And it's like so hard. Cause you're like, Oh, I know I shouldn't. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's the, and that's, what it is. It's like so ingrained and you really have to consciously think about it yeah. all the time. And I do because I think I have friends where I've like kind of had that conversation with like and told them like, I want to tell you, you look amazing. But I also am like, I'm trying not to say those comments anymore because mm-hmm. truly like whether you are, you know, whatever your body size or whatever you're wearing, you're an amazing human an amazing friend. And like, I just want you to know that no matter the scale, no matter if you felt cute in your outfit or not. And I think that it is really hard to shift it because I want those compliments. I want those things too. But then I also am like, I don't, I don't need those. And again, it's affirming things that they're just not important. Well, it's a hard balance because on one hand, like I can see, like I still want them. And I think coming out of quarantine, a lot of people have either gained weight or lost weight. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's also a big thing that's happening too for people, like coming out of quarantine and seeing people after Mm -hmm. like a year and a half. And yeah, like, you know, you kind of want to make sure that you're still accepted Mm -hmm. by people. And Mm -hmm. I think making those comments make people feel accepted. Yeah. And but it's hard because, yeah, if you have an eating disorder brain, which I do, when I hear those comments, I'm like, yes. Exactly. And then when I don't hear those comments, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I am worth nothing. Totally. I'm yeah. the same. Like, there are definitely times there are certain people that will say those things more often. And then when they don't, you're like, oh, no. Have I gained weight? Can they <laughs> tell that I've gained weight? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing is where maybe this isn't something that – you as a listener struggle with, but I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people are looking for those affirmations, especially if they're working really hard. Mm -hmm. So then the narrative in the conversation becomes, how can we shift why we work out? How can we shift where our confidence comes from and how we encourage and affirm people in our lives? And I think that that is going to take a long time because it's so deeply ingrained in our culture. It's so deeply ingrained and it's, you know, it takes a lot of work for the individual to deprogram themselves from diet culture. Yeah. And it's, we're both on that journey, huh? I mean, 100%. you know, well, and that's one thing like you and I've worked together for a while. And one of the things that you kind of alluded to is like, you had a recent season where you gained a lot of the weight back that you lost. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of processing through that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this in quotes, but it's like, from my perspective, everything that I knew that you were doing, I was like, Katrine, you're doing everything quote, quote, right. Mm-hmm. And at this point, this is out of my scope, right? You know, like there's, I don't, I'm not going to tell you to avoid more food or work out more. And through that kind of discovery, you realized that you had PCOS, mm-hmm. which you had kind of suspected. And then got affirmed. Was this also when you kind of had clarity on your eating disorder or was that before that? That was before that. Okay. So kind of my journey, like the whole process kind of started, uh, like six or seven, I don't know. I'm terrible with time. Maybe five (laughs) years ago, (laughs) I 
got it. I was like gaining weight and I like got into my brain that I needed to lose a bunch of weight. So that's kind of when I always had eating disordered thoughts and like behaviors, mm-hmm. but it really, the, the fire lit like five years ago when I was actively losing weight. So I had never really worked out before then. So then I really started working out and I was like going insane. Like mm. I was doing like three hour hikes mm. plus doing a cycling class um, eating maybe 800 calories a day. And I lost weight for sure. But for what I was doing, I did not lose the amount you would expect. Right. That you would have anticipated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of started it off. And then that really started off like really restrictive eating, like really, really restrictive eating. And then I loosened up like a few years in because I started grad school and I was busy and I wasn't working out as much anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I started gaining weight back and I was like, what? I'm like, oh, my eating is out of control. Mm -hmm. Like I was convinced my eating was out of control. So then I went and saw a dietitian Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this asshole is going to tell me I eat too much. (laughs) And like, I was like already feeling shame before I even went into the office. And I told her, she's amazing, by the way. Mm -hmm. I told her everything that I was eating and I was like, I I know I eat too many carbs. And, And she like looked at me and she was like, are you joking? She was like, you're not eating enough. She was yeah. like, you're out of control. So then we started working on me integrating foods back into my diet, meaning carbs and sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started gaining weight back. And yeah. I remember talking to her and being like, if I gain weight, like I'm going to lose my mind. Right. And then I did. Yep. And then she was like, that's fine. This is just your metabolism, like, you know, bubbling out. And I was like, okay, lady. <laughs> and then it got more out of control and then the quarantine hit mm-hmm. and my food got a little bit out of control, but my working out still stayed fairly consistent yeah. and I gained more weight. And I was like this and, and then she was like, okay, something else is happening here. And, and I had gotten my thyroid checked out and they said that wasn't it and that I should lose weight. The doctor said I should lose weight. And I was like, yeah, bitch, no joke. <laughs> classic medical response classic. to all concerns. Yeah. Just lose some weight. It'll all be fine. Yeah. I'm sure you're being lazy and not trying. I, it's 100% true. Ugh. And then, yeah, I found this amazing doctor and did all the tests and – my dietitian thought I had PCOS, and once I Googled it, and I was like, I for sure have this. And then, yeah, yeah I got the diagnosis, and that's what it was, and yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. How do you feel like you've been, like, because I know with PCOS, it's definitely just, like, an ongoing thing that you mm-hmm. are always treating. And in addition to medication, like, do you feel like there are shifts that you're working on making, like, or are the shifts that let people recommend lifestyle-wise – are those even really like actually that helpful? Have you found them to be that helpful? So the two things for typically that you see if you Google PCOS and you Google like um, dietary recommendations. recommendations for PCOS is to stop eating to stop eating eat well to stop <laughs> eating gluten okay and to avoid sugar, mm. which were the two things that I like did not eat for five years. So then I went to my dietitian and I was like, yeah. see, yeah, and she was like. No. She was like, you can eat them. It's just in moderation. And like, you have to figure out what is good for your body. Yeah. So that's kind of the train I'm on now is kind of balancing out how much sugar and carbs I feel good eating, Mm. like in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like, how it's negatively going to affect my weight or affect my weight, I should say. Yeah. So... That's a recommendation. Everybody is different. I honestly don't feel that great when I eat gluten. Okay. 
Um, oh, and dairy is the other one too, which I don't eat that much dairy anyway, but yeah, besides the point. So yeah, so it's just like, but, but it's, but I'm doing it now less in an eating disordered way and more right. of like, I'm trying to come in more holistic. Like yeah. I'll still eat a sandwich. Yeah. Which my dietitian loves when I eat a sandwich. So. <laughs> eat a sandwich right so, and I don't feel guilty yeah and that's, that's the key and I think that it, it's so I'm so glad you said that because I think that is the shift that is hard for a lot of people is like eating something as simple as a sandwich which legitimately is my favorite food on earth I could eat sandwiches all the time but without guilt mm-hmm. like eating both pieces of bread eating whatever things you want on it like and that's the shift that happens that takes it from this more disordered behavior Mm -hmm. to like, okay, yeah, maybe I won't eat X, but it's more of a sense of like, I have realized this doesn't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's not attached to my weight. It's not attached to the scale. It's just like legitimately something. And I think a lot of people use that as an excuse, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't feel good. Really, I think there's a lot more fear there than like, them not feeling good, but that's for each person to discover within themselves. But I do feel like to your point, I have seen that those recommendations as well for PCOS. Mm -hmm. And I feel I'm always a little like shocker that it's gluten, sugar, and dairy, (laughs) the three most common things that we are told to fear in our culture in general. Maybe it's true and maybe it's not, Mm -hmm. but I think exactly what you said is important. It's like each person should probably work even temporarily with a dietitian or somebody to help them figure out like what is right for them. Exactly. Not, you know, you eating a certain way and somebody else who has PCOS doesn't mean that you both are going to feel the exact same eating the exact same. Right. Period. What do you feel like has been, as you've like kind of shifted your perspective, both like with PCOS and maybe even like your disordered behavior, um, and even like movement, you know, Mm -hmm. we talked about working out too. It's like, what do you feel like has been the most freeing shift that has really like made you feel free Mm -hmm. and what do you feel like has been like the hardest shift that you feel like is still just something that like challenges you more regularly Mm -hmm. I think honestly when I got the PCOS diagnosis Mm -hmm. I cried not because I was upset but because I was so happy to have an answer yeah that felt really freeing because it was like just the affirmation I needed to be like, oh, I don't suck at diets. Mm. Like it's just my body. Like yeah. my body just processes, just doesn't process sugar essentially. It's yeah. what it doesn't do. Yeah. And that's not my fault. So after getting that diagnosis, like I saw food in a much different way. Um, I still know I have to be care- careful in terms of like how much I eat and what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. But not because I'm trying to lose weight, but because there's some there's an underlying disorder happening for me. Yeah. Um, that was really, really freeing, mm. honestly. Um, and then what's been really difficult, I think, is still, you know, I still look in the mirror and I'm like, mm. I could lipo my chin out. <laughs> like <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah. Like there's a stretch mark on my stomach that wasn't there last week. Like what the hell? Yeah. Or like I work out my arms a lot and like they're still flabby and that really annoys me. So yeah. I still have a lot of negative self, negative self-talk that's gotten better. Right. But you know, I think that that is just going to be a lifelong journey. Yeah, for sure. And again, kind of to your point, like so much of how we're taught to affirm ourselves is through our bodies. Mm-hmm. And when you're told like, 
the story we started the podcast with that like, oh, if you just like worked out a little more and watched your food, you'd probably have the body you always wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can speak like I was working out like a psycho human being before my wedding. I was doing two workouts a day, eating very little, which is also something that a lot of people don't realize by eating too little, your Mm -hmm. body essentially stops releasing the weight. And so you end up holding weight or gaining weight because your body doesn't trust you anymore. And so really like most people should be eating more food than they realize, period. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've worked with a lot of clients with. Mm -hmm. It's like this idea of like, I'm cutting all these things out. I'm like, you probably should eat more. And it's like this whole counterintuitive movement that I think is like, until you start working with a dietitian or having conversations with people that are not so ingrained in diet culture and telling you that 1200 calories is acceptable. It's not acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. And only, that is only enough to make your skeleton work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like not enough. And it's like, if you realize, like get a test done, realize what your basal metabolic rate, realize Mm -hmm. what you need just to survive as a human. And then if you move at all, you need more than that. Yes. And if you work out consistently, you need way more than that. If you're trying to put on muscle on your body, you need way more than that. So I think it's this crazy shift that so many people like want to boil down to like exercise and food. And Mm -hmm. it's just not about that. And it's hard when we've been told those things will give you that body and you're like, I'm doing those things and it's not. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do I still feel good in my body, feel Mm -hmm. good in myself? And I agree. I think that's something that like, I will always probably struggle with in different ways too. I think that's common for people who have disordered behavior, body dysmorphia, any of those types of categories of things. To really separate worth and weight. Yeah. That is the biggest challenge and I think will forever be the biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah. As a therapist, I would, I'm kind of switching into like your therapist brain maybe Mm -hmm. a little. Mm -hmm. I would love your perspective on like maybe why and maybe beyond, maybe it is like so cultural, but like why within our culture, we have such a strong fixation on bodies and health. And I, again, with this, how much you can disclose, but like, are there things that you've seen within your life or your practice that you feel there's a common theme among people that you've just observed is like, this is where this is coming from, or this is typically the root of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, being thin has been passed down for generations. I think, um, I don't know exactly when it was started to be glorified. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere around the corset era, right? So like 1920s Mm -hmm. when women were like shoving their bodies into corsets and Mm -hmm. had to be really thin and get that like hourglass figure. And that was to attract a suitor. So if you think about it and you go back in time, societally for women, like, our job was to be pretty for men mm-hmm. and like in order to be t- the prettier you were, the better you were taken care of. Mm. And so I think the residue of that has kind of is still in our culture and still very much true. Yeah. And weight is just one of the bigger ones now Yeah, of that. Like the skinnier, skinnier you are, the more hourglass, you know, yeah. big tick, big tits, big ass, <laughs> tiny waist, yeah. Yeah. which wasn't always the preferred body type right. But is right now. Right. Like that's, you know, and it's to attract men mm-hmm. and like, that's it. And now women will say, well, I dress for other women. Yes, true. Mm-hmm. But if you feel affirmed by other women, men are going to look at you. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. And I just think like how families process like what weight looks like and what beauty means in a family environment, um, in a family system that weighs, that's the biggest way that eating disorders get ingrained. Interesting. Like if families really put a heavy price on beauty Mm -hmm. for little girls, Mm -hmm. Little then they grow up and be like, well, I'm not pretty enough for my parents. And it's not so obvious. Like, it's right. very subconscious. But that's essentially what's being ha- what's happening. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have any recommendations um, for – this is kind of a – I didn't ask – I didn't prep you this question. <laughs> but um, do you have, like, any recommended, like, phrases or way to navigate family dynamics if, like, you have a parent or a sibling who – wants to comment on your weight or does comment on your weight or food. I feel like I talk to people who do receive that from their family a lot. And they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do that doesn't feel combative or angry or, you know, like they don't care or whatever. What would you recommend to somebody like to maybe say to help, I don't know, diffuse that conversation or challenge it, but not in like an aggressive way? I mean, what I tell most people in that case is thank you. And I'd really appreciate it if you didn't comment on my body, mm. like just so simple. It doesn't okay. even have to be combative. It doesn't even have to be a question. Okay. Just a simple statement as like, please don't talk about my body. Mm. Put up the boundary. Okay. Most of the time, as most people do, they'll test the boundary over and over again. Mm. The key to that is you just have to keep saying that. Again and again and again until you shape them out of talking about your body. Okay. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think like to your point within the family structure, it's like we are aware that we aren't the only people who are struggling, right? Our parents probably struggled in their own way. Their parents probably struggled, so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. it's like if you have a family member or a friend or a person you're in a relationship with that is constantly making comments about it they probably themselves are struggling and have their own ways of thinking. And it's so crazy how much it comes from like, I always hate when people are like, well, I just want you to be healthy. Well, I just want you to be happy. I just want Mm -hmm. you to be this. And it's like, again, you're attaching my body, Mm -hmm. my weight. It's like, if I am working out consistently and eating well and sleeping. And I feel good. And I feel good. Mm -hmm. Then why do you not accept that as happy? or as healthy or as beautiful or whatever. And I'm sure that there's just a lot packed into that with family too, just because it feels harder. I don't know. Just like nobody wants to feel like their parent is judging them or anything. It's so hard. And it's such a trigger for so many people. And like this is where therapy really comes into play because you can never change another person. You can Mm. only change your response to that person. Yeah. So if you're really struggling – with putting that boundary up with your family and like sometimes some shit you just have to let go because they are who they are and they're never not going to be that way. Then it's your job to work through how to process that on your own and like build up an armor against those attacks essentially. Mm, Yeah. And that does like take therapy with people like you. It takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. takes a lot of work. Yeah, because it really is that inner dialogue and that inner self-worth and self-esteem to that you have to build to be able to almost like, I'll say defend very loosely, yeah. but almost like defend yourself to people who, you, who love you and think yeah. that they're doing good by you. Right. 
Um, and that I'm sure just can feel a lot. So it's like, if you are struggling with that, having somebody like a therapist or whatever is a great way to help you navigate that from a better place because you are feeling better about yourself. Right. That makes sense. I feel. And you have done the work to separate worth and weight. And so the comments land less heavy at that point. Cause you're Mm. like, you're like, Oh, I see you. Like I see you struggling with your own thing and you're projecting that onto me and I don't need to take that on anymore. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I feel like would be a huge shift for people to be able to step back enough to say like, I can see, I can see where you're struggling and like, it's really not about me. It's about you in a lot of ways. And you're putting your own issues on me Mm -hmm. and being able to step back from that. And it's kind of like how I think once you become disillusioned from like the, all these ideas in diet culture or whatever, and you start seeing the ads and you're just like, stop telling me that I'd be prettier with this. (laughs) Stop telling me I'd be happier with this. Like, I know this is just a marketing ploy. A really good one. But like, they're so good. They're so good. (laughs) Even people like us who like work really hard to not be disillusioned are still like, but maybe. I'm like, do I need to do intermittent fasting? <laughs> I know, right? I'm always like, huh. <laughs> I know. God, Lord have mercy. <laughs> um, so I know that like it's people want to change, right? Like we want to be able to change our behaviors, whether it's the conversations that we're having or the actions, whether it's something is I won't even use simple, but it's an action. Like I want to work out more or I want to be nicer to myself or whatever. And I know that I, you probably deal with a lot of people who do want to change, but maybe, or maybe they don't want to change. I don't know. I won't, I won't assume things about everybody, but when it comes to people who it's like, as a therapist and a friend and a human, it's like you can see the path forward, but somebody has to essentially, I guess, want to help themselves. How do you kind of continue to stay like resilient and motivated with people in your life that are not helping themselves in the way that you can see? And how do you help them help themselves in that way? It's really hard. I mean, a lot of the time you really have to meet people where they're at, Mm -hmm. like at all times, like, um, I do a therapy called DBT and one of the biggest, we call it dialects. So two, two opposing truths can be true at the same time. You really have to balance out acceptance and change. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the approach I take with everyone in my life, clients and friends and family included of like, I really have to work hard to accept them where they're at and then also hope that change will happen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's hard. You really have to have that internal motivation to want to do that. And everyone's internal motivation is different. Mm-hmm. And as a therapist, I try to help and find that internal motivation. Um, and sometimes people say they want something, but it's really not what they want. Mm. And you kind of have to figure that out. And it's, it's, I hate this, but it's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I hate to be that person. I know. It's like cliche. I know, but it's true. Yeah. It really is. And I do think that's an interesting point because I feel like we can think that we want something, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. think I, and I, we're just going to keep using this example because like I'm a trainer and we're talking about bodies and weight. So get over it. (laughs) But it's like, we can think we want to be thinner Mm -hmm. or more money. I want to be in a relationship, whatever you're working towards. And we can assume that this will bring us happiness. This will bring us success. This will bring us the life that we want. But really, maybe what you don't want is the thinner body or the more money. You want to feel safe. Mm -hmm. You want to feel loved. 
you want to feel valued. And when you start to get down to those things that are way less tangible, but you've been trying to, um, you know, categorize or whatever. Put a bandaid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Into these things, you start to realize like, wow, like there's a lot more going on underneath if I am struggling to feel valued or if I'm struggling to feel safe or, worthy. And I feel like that's something that I really realized on my own body image journey is I was like, I tried to be thin so that I would be seen as more attractive and to be seen as more attractive makes me feel more validated and to feel more validated. That means I'm valuable to people. I'm worthy to people. I'm trying to prove my worth by showing up in a physical way. Right. And it's so interesting when you really start to boil down, like why do you want that so deeply? Where does that come from? Right. Family units, past traumas, all these mm-hmm. types of things. And that's a lot to unpack, which is why you should unpack it with a professional. Yeah. And also see a professional in general. I think a lot of people think like, well, I didn't have anything major happen to me. or That's fine. You yeah. don't have to. Yeah. And like, you don't have to be change to therapy for seven years right <laughs> no go for five sessions and be like I feel good yeah and then call it a day like it's not well and that's like even what I did during quarantine I went to my therapist for I don't know a couple months mm-hmm. and it was great and we had some like really cool res- like revelations and I was like wow I cried a couple times like mm-hmm. you know I had some things uncovered and then I was like I feel good right now I feel good in this season and I didn't have a lot of things that like I feel like people would say like, oh, you should go to therapy for that. But I knew that I had growth opportunities. I knew that there were things I were thinking about myself or feeling about myself. And just to like process it through with somebody who's going to ask you the right questions and take you on the right journey Mm -hmm. um, is really healing and really important. And I would love to know maybe like how you feel like you're like all of this, do you feel, I'm sure you feel like it's helped you in your practice, but how do you feel like it's maybe made you more empathetic or changed, has it changed your views on how you approach things? Like, I think we personally go through stuff and you can't help, but it bleed into your, you know, your career. So a hundred percent. I mean, my whole career is my perspective. (laughs) Um, Every therapist is like, fuck you. Don't say that. Um, (laughs) They're like, we hate that she just said that. I know. And also, yeah, I think what really helped me is just, just getting a bird's eye view on everything, especially Mm -hmm. around body and image and diet culture, because so many women, especially struggle with this. And then to to hear them like talk about it mm-hmm. and like in the trenches and then to have a bird's eye view of it is really helpful. Yeah. And the one thing that I do now that my dietitian did for me that just like really put a lot into perspective for me, she always gave me permission, mm-hmm. which sounds so simple, but mm-hmm. it was really helpful. Like she'd be like, I give you permission to eat bread. And I was like, mm-hmm. <gasps> Okay. Like, you know, like I just needed someone else to tell me I could do something that I could already do. Yeah, yeah. But I needed someone else to tell me that I could do it. And she also said that was really freeing to me. It was like, not everyone has to be attracted to you. Mm. Like, and that was permission to be like, yeah, like not everyone's going to be attracted to me. Duh. Like, what (laughs) am I doing trying to make like every man in the world want to sleep with me? Mm. Like, that's so stupid. So, and being like, 
who I am, like, that is what attracts people to me, not what I look like. So just, like, giving people permission has really – I've really implemented that in my own practice as a therapist. I love that. I feel like I want to take that. It's like I give you permission to take rest days. I give you permission to not enjoy running and to find something else. Like, And I think sometimes getting permission from somebody who you see as, like, an expert or who who is, like, an expert in their field or certified in their field who's literally – saying like I know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and like because I know what I'm talking about when my permission really is valid yeah. and real you mm-hmm. know and it can feel so simple but having somebody who you respect and trust their opinion give you this permission it's like you could already do it mm-hmm. but it frees you in a way that it didn't before yeah it was so it was so freeing it's so freeing to get that permission she just Gave me permission to eat sandwiches like two months ago. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can eat sandwiches. Yeah. Like, you know, so yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like, I'm going to steal that now. I hope other people do. Start giving permission yeah. to people in your life. Start you know? giving permission. It's, yeah. it's important. I feel like we keep waiting and like, we don't need to wait on people, but we are. A lot of people are. Yeah. So just start, you know, releasing people <laughs> yeah. of that. And we're just going to yeah. be this like wild women who are just like right. released of all of that pressure. Right. Exactly. Well, I feel like that was a really good nugget. Do you have any other advice for people who are struggling with their bodies or mindset shifts or questions that you would ask them? Like, I mean, I always find these types, you know, like, People obviously aren't with us when we're training, but it's always funny, like, as we have questions and I'm always intrigued by the way that your, like, therapist brain works or, mm-hmm. like, what would you say as a therapist in this situation? Yeah. So it's, like, maybe as a therapist or as a friend, but if you knew that, like, the person sitting across from you was struggling, mm-hmm. would there be two or three questions that you would really want to ask them or two or three questions you would want them to answer for themselves? I mean, the way I like to work especially around body image Mm -hmm. is like from the beginning. So where is this messaging come from? Mm -hmm. Right. Did it come from your family? Did it come from your friends? Did it come from bullying? Did it come from Mm -hmm. society? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. What about this have you attached to? Because Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of us attach to different things. So some people, you know, the big trend, like big lips, some Mm -hmm. people really want big lips, Mm -hmm. you know, and feel insecure about their small lips. You know, Mm -hmm. mine just happens to be about weight. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Took me a minute. I can trace it back now. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that makes sense. Again, permission for myself of like, okay, I understand where this came from and I give myself permission to grieve that yeah. that experience happened to me. Yeah. And I do this, I try to do the same for clients. And then from there, it's about really dismantling, you know, I'm going to say it again, but diet culture and really understanding diet culture and how much it's permeated through our media, through friends, through all of that, because we constantly get that messaging of this is what your body should look like. This is what your body should look like. Yeah. And that's really not helpful at all. Um, Two books that are amazing are Health at Every Size and Eating by the Light of the Moon. Mm -hmm. Those two books really helped me understand diet culture. Mm. And then from there, implementing like what feels good to me. So, you know, like I feel good right now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really strong. Um, I don't like to run and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I eat what I want. And sometimes I eat too much and I try not to feel guilty about it. Yeah. 
and just try to like ebb and flow with how you're feeling mm-hmm. around that mm-hmm. and be gentle with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. That's really all you can do. I think like we are our harshest critics. We oh, know yes. we know the thing that we look at in the mirror every single time or the mm-hmm. picture that we look at in the picture every single time. Right. We know. And there's like, you know, even today I posted on stories and I like couldn't, I noticed how my like stomach looked and I was like, oh, I like, look at those rolls. The way that my like sports bra is like really pushing between like my sports bra and my pants. And I felt really self-conscious and I almost didn't post the video. And then I was like, no, this is my body. This is how my body looked in that. I'm not ashamed to have that skin and that fat there. I just finished a workout class. Like this is nothing to be ashamed of or fearful of or judgmental towards. And I just posted it because I was like, people might or might not even notice it. I know what I'm looking at. And I think that like, that is an important thing to acknowledge is like so often the things that you're being so cruel to yourself about, maybe you are saying those things because people have been assholes and said those things to you, right? right? Like. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely reality. Mm-hmm. But the bigger pictures, you probably say it a lot more often and a lot meaner mm-hmm. than most people have. And I think that if we can start to change how we talk to ourselves and like yeah. advice that I got a, a, a couple times and I've read before is like, and this feels kind of cheesy, right? So like take it or leave it. But like have, finding a picture of ourselves at like kind of a younger age, you know, mm-hmm. maybe between five and seven and like not saying those things to her, but thinking about like when you're talking to yourself, you literally are talking to this like inner child. Right. And like, would you want to say you are worthless? You're so gross. No one's going to love you. Like you would never want to speak to a child in general that way. But like looking at yourself that way kind of like humanizes you in a way that is really hard to do as adults. And we're kind of jaded and we're kind of, you know, we've been through stuff. So you lose a lot of that innocence. But then when you look back at that picture and you're like, oh, I don't want five-year-old Cammy to feel those things and to right. believe those things. So why would I say that about, you know, 31-year-old Cammy? Right. And I don't know. I felt like that was a really helpful, like, imaging for me to kind mm-hmm. of think through, like, if I wouldn't say it to her, then I shouldn't say it to, like, me now, you know? Right. Exactly. And even to go a step further than that, we teach people how to treat us. So if we're being mean to ourselves, you are giving permission to everyone in your life to be equally as mean to you. So mm. if I'm mean to me about my body, mm-hmm. that gives assholes, like the guy at the beginning of the story, <laughs> like four years ago, that would have crushed me, mm. right? And I would have been like, tell me more, you mm. know? And he would have taken that as a sign that like he can treat me that way. Yeah. And no, like right. that's just not right. right. So, you know, you have to really consider how you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Other people are going to treat you the same way. Mm. Yeah. it's You think about the people who are like, it's always that very self-deprecating humor. Oh, yeah. Constantly putting themselves down to be funny and people think it's funny and then they say something about you and you're like, right. ouch, that hurt. Like, why would you say that about me? It's like, you say that about yourself all the time. Like, I thought this was just like, a thing we did and like right. something that you knew about you or right. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's, it's important to realize like if you are 
joking about yourself in that way, like it's typically obviously because you're insecure about that specific thing. Right. But to your point, I like the call out of like, you are teaching every single person who hears you talk about yourself. And even if you're just thinking those things, Mm -hmm. you are almost letting people validate that when you, they say what you've been thinking. hundred percent. And then you're like, yeah, I am. I'm so lazy. I don't even care. I don't even try, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy then at that point. Totally. And it is so hard. So, like, do you have any other practices that you would recommend to help people sort of create a more positive and kind relationship towards their body? Or maybe even something that you think might be not like bullshit, but something that you're like, everybody puts this on the pedestal and I think it should be reframed this way. Or, like, I haven't found that to be, like, helpful. You don't have to have an answer for that one, but I'd be curious if you did. I think a lot of people, this is a 50-50, take it or leave it for a lot of people. Gratitude lists Mm. and journaling really help a lot of people. And I think if you can write down exactly how you're feeling, if like, let's say you have a hard time expressing how you feel and just do a stream of consciousness, like a lot can come out of that. Mm. Um, I think that's, it's put on a pedestal. And also I think it's very helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think really limiting your social media intake. Mm. And I mean that in terms of like, if you're following models and Mm -hmm. people who are, you know, doing the filter, I don't know. I don't have social media. So like whatever that world is, if like your whole thing is like about diets and being skinny and the next best fad, like Mm -hmm. really try to limit that Mm -hmm. because it's just not really helpful and it's causing more body anxiety. Yeah. Um, I would say those two are the biggest things and just kind of watch what you're saying to yourself. Mm, Yeah. I think that those are all really powerful shifts that people can make. And I like the idea. I'm a big gratitude person. I think that like, again, it's this idea that a lot of us can believe myself included, right? Like when I get blank, I'll be happier. Right. And it's like, okay, how can you be appreciative of where you're at right now? Because there's somebody that probably wishes they had something that you have. Yeah. And you're not taking very good care of it. You're not appreciating it very much. It's like my home, my kitties, my health, my husband, like there's so many things that like I just take for granted. Right. And it's like, how can I like boil this down to like, oh, I'm so thankful for like the flowers on my table. And that can feel really like simplistic. Obviously, there's a lot of like bigger things to be thankful for. But if you're just constantly like creating a posture of gratitude, you can have a really like shit day and just be like, how can I find things to be grateful for in this moment. Like this is truly probably not the worst day ever on like the grand scheme of things, not to like, you know, (laughs) like boil down what you have to not be important, but like perspective, I think it's really important. And it's scientifically proven actually, if you do a gratitude list that your mood does elevate. So, Oh, well, there you go guys. As you're listening to this episode, Think of like three things that you're thankful for and mood will be lifted, hopefully. (laughs) Okay, Katrine, is there anything that you would like want to share with somebody who's maybe in a similar place to you or where you were like a year ago and is as like before you made a lot of these discoveries and shifts? Is there something that you would like give a year ago, Katrine, or four years ago, Katrine, and like someone's in a similar situation? I think just really try not to let your perception of your body hold you back. Like Mm. I really held myself back from a lot Mm. by being worried that people would think I was fat, that people would worry like I would never go to workout classes 
because I would be scared that I couldn't keep up or that people would be judging me. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of those things, I think you really have to, again, give yourself permission and free yourself and just kind of throw yourself into those activities. Easier said than done, I know. <laughs> but once you start doing it, then you start to realize like everyone's more concerned about themselves than what you're doing. And mm-hmm. so just do it. I love that. I think that that's like, I mean, I think we think about ourselves way more than anybody else is thinking about us. Yeah. So yeah. like legitimately just go out and do the damn thing. Yeah. Just go to that Pilates class. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> well, now like, and you and I've even talked, you're like, I'm usually like lifting the heaviest out of that. Like most people. Oh, the best is when I have a bro next to me at Barry's and my <laughs> weight is five pounds heavier. And I'm like, you suck it. Yeah, sister. <laughs> I know. And that is just like such an underrated thing to get energized by. You're just oh. like, look at me. Like I am strong. I am so powerful. And it has nothing to do with like the size or the weight on the scale. And I think yeah. like it's so, it's almost like way more fulfilling to like, I think feel strong yeah. than to like look skinny. And I feel like you might be doubtful listening and thinking that that's true, but like when you really feel strong, there's just yeah. like such an empowered sense that comes with that. Yeah. When you're trying to feel skinny, I think there's like so much rooted fear and stress and anxiety. It's really not freeing. No, it's you not know? freeing at all. No, no, not the way that we've been told. Oh, I could talk to you forever. You're the best. (laughs) I'm so appreciative of all of the insight that you've shared. I think that there's just like so much goodness and wisdom for people. And I think that there will be a lot of people that resonate with your story. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast interview, and if you are enjoying the podcast and loving these interviews, please go ahead and rate and review the Worth More podcast wherever you listen. I am always happy to hear y'all's thoughts, suggestions, feedback, so make sure you reach out to me on social media or through my website. I would love to hear you, and I hope you have an amazing day.